WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. My name's John Paul, the host of the Car Doctor Program, and I feel a little bit um, guilty here this morning. We have uh, Jesse's. Jesse's off on some fabulous vacation. He went to went to Greece to go fin- visit his family. So he's out. I saw some pictures on Facebook. He's out on the uh, Grecian Ocean, I guess. So wherever he is, he had some beautiful pictures posted. And his kids apparently adopted every wild animal they saw, or every. Uh, cat and dog or whatever the case is so uh, we'll have to talk to him about that when he gets back in a couple of weeks but why do i feel guilty well uh tim's tim's filling in for jesse and our guest today is mild heger he is the uh he you know him from miles on motorsports but he's in the studio he brought uh, he brought somebody with him everybody's in the studio but me so i'm kind of here in my little tiny place where i do my radio program but uh you know, so that's uh, well, it's, so I felt a little bit guilty, I guess, but not guilty enough to leave Cape Cod through the traffic, turn around to drive back through the traffic. So uh, we'll do that. Coming up on the show, also, we're going to be talking about the Mazda CX-50, uh, Mazda's SUV, a Ooh. little bit more outdoorsy. We're going to be talking about that. And we're going to be t- uh, some of the uh, some of the questions that came into the mailbag this week, some very interesting ones, some head scratchers in there, and some... Uh, some kind of simple ones, too. So we'll, we'll have that all coming up, too. And, of course, we want to hear from you. Our phone number is 781-837-4900. But uh, first off, let's uh, let's talk to Miles. Miles, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor Program. Yeah, good morning, John. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invite and looking forward to this. And uh, who did you bring with you today? I brought my co-host, the dangerous one, Paul Scally, along. How you guys so, doing? Good. How are you? I'm so why well. So why are you the dangerous one? Um... You know, it's just one of those. I race. I'm a driver. I race cars, and it's just one of those names that gets tagged on you a little bit. I kind of embraced it a little bit. I don't know if it was a, I don't know if it was a compliment or an insult at the time, but um, yeah, it's kind of stuck. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, Miles, tell me about first off. Tell me about you and how you became a motorsports fan. Well, for me, um, I've I've been in radio for a chunk of time, and the motorsports thing has always been in the background, and uh, you know, it started back in about 1997, 98, when uh, Terry Labonte got wrecked at Bristol by Dale Earnhardt. That uh, got me hooked, and since then, just continued to love the uh, sport, you know, motorsports, and I. Like I said, got involved in radio early on, and for the last couple of years before I started the Miles on Motorsports show here, I was on the JV team with Jared Valenzuela, and the uh, the fit and the jump was right. We started out in January, beginning of the year on Tuesday nights, and just recently in July, we moved over to Wednesday nights with Tim, and we're having a lot of fun with it. Uh, the product and show has been great. We have... Uh, you know, if you want to learn more about the show, for your listeners who might not have, you know, heard of it before, we are on Facebook, Miles on Motorsports, also on YouTube with many of the interviews that we've done, and you know, we're we're just kicking it and having a having a good time doing it, John. 
And uh, so, Paul, you you didn't want to use the intimidator name, so you went with uh, the dangerous one. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I, I'm quite that good to take that name from that guy. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, everybody has sort of you know uh, sort of a specialty, whether it's uh, you know drag racing, you know, sh- you know whether it's local tracks, short tracks, maybe even finding uh, uh, you know finding tracks that don't even exist anymore and they're just sort of you know overgrown um what's your specialty what do you do you like do you like the local short track type stuff do you like discovering those those tracks and uh kind of working through there or do you or are you happy at uh uh, new hampshire international speedway or um you know maybe out in the poconos that that big track out in the Poconos. Well, I can tell you, uh, for me, obviously as a, a, a diehard NASCAR fan, you know, New Hampshire Motor Speedway has been my home track for many years, but I was really able to get into the local short track scene during COVID, really, when when there were no tracks around that were open to the fans. We started going up to New Hampshire to Star and Lee and uh, in 2020, and then 2021 when Seekonk reopened. I got to go down to Seekonk and see Paul win the Boston Louie in June of that year. And it's come full circle because now I am announcing down at Seekonk on Friday and Saturday nights. So um, the local short track is really the place to go. And that's where the grassroots really starts. But again, I love the New Hampshire's. I love Pocono. I do love the NASCAR circuit of things. And uh, I know Paul can probably tell you a little bit about his racing. But for me... The short tracks have really grown on me the last couple of years, and of course, the NASCAR-sanctioned tracks will always, uh, always have a uh, spot in my heart. Do they still call Seekonk the Cement Palace? They call it the Action Track of the East. Ah, um, we we call it the Cement Palace. Yeah, us, us older guys. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a that's a name. I've uh, I've only been to that track a couple of times in my life, and uh, I was I always found it. Great, and you know the idea of, and I don't care if it's whether it's you know drag racing or or um, or NASCAR style racing. You know when the budgets get unobtainable to me. You know whether you watch stuff like Street Outlaws and you look at you know two thousand horsepower cars that they put a hundred thousand dollars into the engine, and you kind of like. You know, it doesn't seem attainable, but when you go to someplace like Seekonk or Lee and, you know, it's a couple of guys that have a flatbed trailer, they bring their car, they race it, they enjoy it, and they have fun, that to me seems like a lot more fun. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Last night down at the uh, at Seekonk, it was certainly a lot of fireworks, let's put it that way. The, the racing was incredible, and uh, anytime, anytime you've got fans, you know, up in arms, it's uh, it means that the the racing was certainly uh, chaotic, I guess, and that's what we had last night there. But the you know the program all around Fridays and Saturdays down at Seekonk, uh, Dave and Ed and their crew do just an incredible job, and it's uh, it 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 shows for sure. Now I have I guess I have adult ADD, so I I tend to watch um, NHRA because you know it gets over in like three three or four yep. seconds, yeah. Um, but I still do, and, and my full-time job is I work for AAA, and at one time, we actually sponsored um, NASCAR for a little while, and, uh, you know, we had some changes in, in, you know, budget cuts and stuff, and we couldn't, we couldn't do it anymore. But to me, it was always fun to watch NASCAR when I knew the driver. You know, if it was somebody who at least I felt like I had some connection with, um, you know, it's great to see... 
uh, former local guy, Dale Quarterly, which I guess he was on your program not that long ago. But to see him back um, back on the track again, uh, especially I, I got a real kick out of, well, two things, I guess, when he went through the Daytona grass field and tore that up. Uh, his sponsor got a lot of airtime for that. Um this year and but also when he was out at one of the NASCAR truck races which is typically younger drivers and it kind of went over the driver lineup and it was sort of like you know this guy who's 23 this guy who's 24 and 62 year old Dale Dale Quarterly Quarterly. yeah and I kind of laughed at that Um, and and it's nice to see see he's out there and it's nice to see he's racing yeah no and and Dale was a, a great interview on the show and uh, I do believe coming up in a couple of weeks, he's going to be running at Watkins, actually next weekend. Next weekend, he's in the ARCA car up at Watkins Glen. And, you know, I, I don't think my schedule is going to allow, but he did invite us up there for that one. Um, and so you'll see him out there next week. But, yes, it, it, it's been great to see Dale uh, get a couple of runs this year in the truck series. And you're indeed correct. Uh, most of those kids are anywhere from 17, depending on the track, 16, 17, to, of course, Dale's one of the seasoned, chiseled veterans there at uh, 62. But I think he's got probably 30 to almost 40 years on 80% of the field. Yeah, he really does. And uh, and I've known him since I think he got his driver's license. So I've known him for I've known him off and on for a long time. I knew his dad when his dad started a go-kart shop. And uh, Dale and his brother Dean used to race go-karts. And then Dale got into uh, motorcycle racing. And he, was, and he was really pretty competitive until he had a pretty substantial crash at one point. But um, he's one of those guys. And, and the last time I talked to him, he got a little bit mad at me when I said, Dale, you know, you, you're, you know, 62 years old. You've never actually had a full-time job in your life. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I said, and believe me, I'm jealous. I said, you know, you, you've never, you've, you've never punched a time clock. You've never, you know, you've never, you've, you've gone out and you've done everything you wanted to do with no regrets doing it, which is pretty phenomenal. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and and I, I don't think you're the, the one and only person to tell him that. I know somebody else who told me the same line, and it got him. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and his, his, his dad, Herb, was um, you know, one of these guys that could kind of take nothing and make something out of it, which was, which was always pretty interesting. And I think Dale learned a lot about that and kind of made it work for him. So that worked out well. Paul, tell me about what you race and where you race and, uh, and how long you've been doing it. So I race in uh, the Northeastern Midget Association. I've, um, I've been, uh, my first year was 1993, so however long that is, th- almost 30 years. Yep. And um, it's, a, it's a torn division, so we race at all the New England tracks. Um, every track in New England, I, I'd say I've been on at least five, six times through my career. Um, good series, good bunch of people, a lot of history. It's the oldest torn division in the, in the country, uh, in any division. And um, it's good to be part of it. And and tell us about the cars. So the cars are. Um, well, they have. They've. They've since um, tried to like you talked to before about the expense thing. They've tried to control the expense thing. So we actually have two divisions that we feature. One is a um, uh, what we would call a national midget. It's a it's a car that's about a thousand pounds. Has a four hundred horsepower four cylinder motor in it. All purpose built. A um, little more expensive on the engine side, and then there's a um, what we call a NEMA light, 
which is a um, Ford Focus engine-based series. Same exact car, um, smaller engine, a little less displacement. Um, they, they do allow you to do some work on it. And it's about a 200-horsepower car that's um, 1,200 pounds, and it has a clutch in it. And these cars for, you know, kind of radio visualization, these are the small cars with the big wing that sits sort of sideways across the top of the roof, right? Or yes. Across so, the top of the cage. So that's that's really only a northeast thing where the midgets across the country have no wing. Up here, we've always been wing. Okay. And... Um, we believe that it makes better racing because you obviously get more downforce. Cars go a little faster. Um, you get a little more stability. And, um, yeah, so we, we have those wings on top, and, you know, we put on some pretty good racing. Now, midget racing's been around forever, right? That's been, you know, that was, uh, you know, they were running, like, four-cylinder Offenhauser engines in the, whatever, the 40s or something, right? So my understanding of it, and, and I, believe me, I don't go back that far, but midget racing was the first form of like competitive racing there was. You know when they ran the flathead 60s and everything else, and then yep. and then from that spurring the indie cars and all that, which were just if you ever saw an old indie car, it, it's just a bigger midget. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, it, it, it is, and and I think that kind of racing because you're, um, you know, there's there's a you know it's it's competitive, it's wheel to wheel, and. Uh, so it, and it seems to be a lot of lost traction. Yes, um, the, <laughs> the the wheelbase is so short and so narrow. It's um, you know, if you, I'm not going to say it's the hardest car to drive. I don't know, but it it's difficult. You know, they're very twitchy, so you have yep. to be very, very precise. And uh, have you have you raced other types of cars as well? Um, I started out racing um, mini sprint cars, which were motorcycle-based cars on dirt up in New Hampshire way back, early 90s, late late 80s. And um, I've dealt those are, those are the ones that are a little bit like sort of the shape of what you have, but they have uh, more of an enclosed body in them. You sort of sit dead center in the middle. Um, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, they're, 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 they're smaller, too. They're right. a little scaled down. And I've dabbled in some other things. I mean, I've got to drive legends when they first came out and some of the bigger cars but i've always tend to stick to the um the midgets only because um the size of the crew you need like it was it was me and my dad who who's you know we still do it and and now it's you know my wife and my son are involved so it's really just you know your ex immediate family's there every weekend with you and you're off racing and the the legends cars were also sort of unique too right they they were motorcycle based too, weren't they? Yeah, the, those were um, 1,200cc motors when they first started. In yeah. um, you know, it, it was like a spec class. Everything was the same. Right. And um, the the Aroots actually brought them into New England back in, I think, 94. And that's when they first started. And, and that series has really taken off. You know, um, if you talk about Seekonk, that, that's, a, that's a big thing Seekonk has Friday night with those legend guys there. Yeah, I, I had the opportunity to scare the daylights out of myself i took a legends <laughs> i took a legends car around pocono yeah i, I bet and, it is scary and, and and it was it was great till i overheated the brakes and and they were smart enough just before that big nascar turn they actually had you come back in and uh but jumping on the brakes after they got pretty hot was sort of was sort of exciting i bet they went right to the floor uh kind of yeah yep. it felt like they did at least yep. so yeah so uh but but it was a but it was a fun time um 
Miles, back to back to the stuff you like. You know the uh, you know you said some of the local tracks uh, besides. Uh, New Hampshire International Speedway, and I'm so old, I remember when it was Loudoun Motorsports Park, and I remember going up there and camping and watching motorcycle races, and one of the things I liked about the old Loudoun Park was that you go up there and you could watch you know, you could watch motorcycle racing on part of the track, you could watch kind of like import stock cars on another side, there was always something going on up there, and when you know when it turned into New Hampshire International Speedway I mean it, it was fabulous and it was great but do you like some of the local small tracks some of the little bull ring tracks up there that become seem like they become a little bit more fun oh absolutely like I said uh, back in 2020 obviously Massachusetts was shut down but New Hampshire was open and we uh, we went to Lee a handful of times and I, I believe I went to Hudson as well and it was just great to see you know, cars out on the track, of course, in a, in a crazy time like that. And, and again, that's what got me hooked. And, and ever since, you know, now uh, going to Seekonk, at when Seekonk reopened to the public in 2021, and I haven't looked back. It, it, the local tracks are where the passionate fan base begins. And also, you know, where, you know, any Friday night, you might see kids running on Friday night, and then Saturday night, their parents, their father, their mother, their uncle, their grandfather, they're running in, you know, a different division, and the kids are out there watching uh, their relatives, parents, and whatnot. Uh, so it's, you know, it, it's really cool. Yeah, it. I think it really is when you when you get to when you get to look at that and see, you know, what kind of, you know, what people what people are looking at, what people are, you know, what people are driving, and again, the idea that you can look at all of these tracks. And um, I spent a little bit of time uh, out in Pennsylvania, and I think, you know, per capita, Pennsylvania's got to have more racetracks than any place I've ever been for the oh, size state. Yeah, for the size state it is. It, it's just amazing how many racetracks there are. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Pennsylvania, I mean, I haven't been to any of the tracks in Pennsylvania, per se, that, you know, the, the local short tracks. Yeah. Uh, but Pennsylvania has a really, really solid racing base, and uh, so does New York, too. You know, you, you talk about just outside of New England. Uh, I've gotten out to Orange County Fairground Speedway out there. A friend of mine actually runs a pro stock out there that has our show logo on the front fenders of it. Um, and I got to see him in April. He's gotten to Victory Lane a couple times this year. And so, you know, New York, too. New York is really, really popular for, you know, say, the dirt tracks. And um, But between the two states, just absolutely fantastic uh, racing local grassroots fan base yeah and i think that you know you know it, it is you know you you know if you you get to go to like a you know big nascar race and you get to you get to see all the money you get to see you know all the trailers you get to see them show up you know in you know a, a caravan of you know equipment and trailers and you know the the driver might fly in on a private jet you know but again going back to uh paul like you said you and your father were you know were the were the team and I, I somehow I find that better. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just me, but I, I like the idea of uh, you know uh, putting it in a putting it in a place where it seems more reachable to the average person. Yeah, you know, one thing I will say, and I'll be short about that. Um, so with me and my dad, we always race together. Um, my dad's eighty three now, so um, you know, 
someday maybe that isn't going to happen. I don't I don't like to think about that, but yeah. Um, you know, but I have a son, and, and now me and my son are into it, and he's too young to drive right now, but he's really into it. And my wife, um, her brother raced and her dad raced, so it's like everybody who, um, who I can touch in my life is into racing, and this is all we do. We go to the racetrack. If we're not driving or working on race cars, we're going and watching. And we, yeah, you know, it, we see all your friends. That's that's what it is. Yeah, and that... that you know, I think that camaraderie, whether it's, you know, what you do or whether it's NHRA or whether it's, uh, I don't know, a bowling league. You know, you're doing, you're doing everything you want. You're doing the thing that you love to do. And you're also, you know, they, you know, they become your peripheral family. They become, you know, people care about you. You know, you might be competitive with them and you might want to, you might want to knock somebody out one day. But on the other hand, you know, they're, they're still your friends. They're still your family at the end of the day, right? It, yeah. And, and, you know, it, it runs across the gamut with racing because, um, some of my good friends, um, race, um, you know, uh, nostalgia, um, top fuel, funny, uh, top fuel, funny cars from Weymouth there, Dana Hard and, and his crew, and they've come to Star Speedway to watch me win when they're over in New England, and, you know, they they have a national car now, and this um, Paul Smith from Florida drives for him, Mike Smith, they call him, and um, they're all my friends, It's and it's all just from racing, because no matter what you race, you, you get the same, um, like, you know, the same mentality, no matter what, what type of racing it is. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, I was I was at a local car show last night, and there was a guy with a uh, Pro Stock car there and it was um i think it was a i think he said it was two 1200 horsepower in the dyno maybe running m1 race fuel um and and of course you know it had giant slicks on the back of it and and he had been working on it and it's it was a 70 charger so it was you know built for nostalgia racing now right right. and he said to me he took it off he took it off his trailer because it's like obviously you didn't drive this thing here if you did you know good luck to you driving by the police station and uh he said yeah i shouldn't have done that he said the trailer's over on the other side of the parking lot i started up and i i lost three cylinders driving over here which means i got to do two complete oil changes because the oil got contaminated with alcohol and uh, so you just think about that, and you're like, you know, here's a guy who's trying to get his car ready for racing. He's had the car for eight years or nine years, put, you know, a, 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 who knows what kind of money into the engine of the thing. And uh, and he, he wanted to show it off a little bit, drove it drove it over into the parking lot. And he said, I should have never done it. I should have let it sit at home because, you know, that little short drive is what caused me problems. And you think about, you know, he, he seemed like just a regular guy with a regular budget. But, you know, even the idea of doing, uh, you know, you know, doing, you know, whatever, whatever it has, you know, 12 quarts of oil in it or something, you know, doing 24 quart oil change is not cheap either. No. I, I bet you he'd do it again, though, too, because it, it there's, you know, they like showing off their ingenuity and workmanship. I'm the same way. And you really try to give back to the fans, which, you know, you're doing at the car show. So he'd probably now, do it again. Now, a co-worker of mine has a has a drag car. Uh, I don't see him very often. And he stole a line from uh, some, you know, former race car driver. And he said, I said, you know, tell me about, tell me about what you do. And he said, pretty simple. He said, Spending money I don't have to impress people I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely true. Yeah, it it, it is. But uh, again, it is. Uh, you know, when you when you're involved with it, and and I think what I like about racing is, 
you know, it isn't just a guy sport. There's so many women who are involved in it. There's so many women who are fans, kids that are fans. You see the kids lining up to get autographs. Uh, you know, you see the celebrities that are, that show up at the tracks because they're fans. I think that's what that's what makes racing fun. I I always get a little jealous with the um, with the girl drivers because. Um, Everybody wants to root for them, and you know maybe maybe it's because you know people think they're disadvantaged and they're not. They 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 can do everything twice as good as us and better, and and they and they're just my as wife. My mean. wife says that. Yeah, they're just yeah. as mean on the wheel too. They they won't yeah. give you an inch, and then everybody's rooting for them. And I just sit there and say, well, you know, you don't root for us guys. You call us dangerous and everything else, and you know they're doing the same stuff. So it yeah. it really is an opportunity for them, and they do really well. Yeah, I I, th- I think they do. A, a woman who works for the California AAA um, used to run a, a top alcohol car, but she, you know, since then has, you know, have has a family and she hasn't run her car, her own car in a while, and she used to drive for somebody else too. And she's she's kind of backed off of that, but she's still uh, involved in motorsports, and you know, still now she's taking her kids to the races because they enjoy it as well. And you know, and you know, when it comes to Again, going back to NHRA and that style of racing, you know, a guy I met years ago from, you know, my former hometown in Abington, um, you know, uh, NHRA guy, you know, announces announces some of the races, Brian Loans, and, uh, you know, we, you know, we, you see him on Fox Sports doing that, and he started off kind of like you guys did you know he was he was calling races at uh new at uh new hampshire speed up at uh up yeah, at, new england uh, dragway. well yeah new england dragway yep. rather so yeah yeah so um and now you know now every once in a while i watch like motor trend tv or something and uh you know either uh you know finnegan or or the other guy there whose name i can't remember right now all of a sudden they'll talk about brian loans and how he's been to you know 150 you know you know, close down racetracks in his life or something, and it's like, hey, this is uh, you know local guy, local guy Brian, who's uh, who's you know kind of turned into a big deal in that circuit now. Yeah, just just a testament to the guy's determination. Because I mean, like you know, he could have walked away any time. I'm sure the path wasn't easy, and uh, he just kept doing what he liked. Yeah, no, he he does, and he's uh, uh, he's uh, you know his website. I, I met him when he first had his website, Bankshift, and then now he has his uh, his podcast. He does kind of in the off season, and the podcast does really well. And he talks about a lot of the history of of racing, whether it's whether it's you know NHRA or any kind of racing or you know crazy stuff like you know steam trains or something. You know, when it comes to you know, I think there's part of us that you know you know to some extent have you know gas and oil in our veins and if it you know and if it explodes and goes fast it's fun to watch that um you you mentioned that but bankshift.com usually in the winter when things get slow i always tend to just keep keep going back there because there's a lot of just interesting things you see and it gives you ideas you're like wow i didn't know these guys are doing that i i can make that and and then you know what i mean and you know it's all tied together it really is it really is, and and you know I, uh, you know I think the idea that you guys are doing this as a program on WATD and bringing and kind of bringing that to the airwaves and bringing that to the WATD audience is great. Um, you know, you know, old Bob Tasker said, you know, win on Sunday, sell on Monday, and there was a lot of truth to that when it comes to selling cars too. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, when, you know, I and I had the I had the pleasure of meeting you know Bob Tasker the first or whatever he was you know years ago, and I asked him about that, and he goes, "Yeah," he said, "You know, would would sponsor a race car, would have a race car, and you know, when our Ford won, he said we'd see people come into the showroom on Monday morning." Oh, and that that's absolutely true. I mean, Tasca, the name's still around in the, the Northeast here, and, and Bob Tasca III's running up at, uh, I saw it well, should have seen him run a couple of weeks ago at New England Dragway, but obviously Mother Nature. Right. Like she has done so much here in 2023, especially at the local tracks. Mother Nature had other plans and did not get to see any Sunday runs, but I've seen Bob Tasca III run up there before in that uh, Ford Motocraft uh, funny car. So, um, yes, that that certainly helps up here in the Northeast for the Tasca family, uh, a big name, big name family for sure. Yeah, he, he was, and, and he is, I used to invite, I used to do this, kind of going off track here, there's contests for kids, high school kids uh, called the uh, Ford AAA Auto Skills, and his high school teams would try to fix new Ford products that we screwed up for them and uh, I would invite Bob to the to the dinner the uh, the night before and um, he was you know would always have you know you know standard standard banquet food you know chicken or steak or whatever and he always kind of pushed his food around and ate a little bit of something and come to find out years later I found out he was a vegan no kidding. But but he was polite enough not to say anything. It's like it's like Bob. I want to get you a vegan dinner or a vegetarian dinner or something. You know, pasta or something. And he's like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. I'll just eat some salad, some potatoes or something. But it, it, again, it just seemed like a really really nice guy. And uh, and uh, you know, just talked about it and talked about his racing and um, and I think people people don't realize you know how much of an athlete you have to be whether you race. You know, midget cars or your race cars that, you know, are 4,000 horsepower and get to 1,000 feet in three seconds. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it's, you know, like I said, uh, motorsports right now, uh, you know, whether you're a NASCAR fan, whether you're a short track fan, or whether you're a dragster fan, I mean, the, the product that is being put out there right now is second to none in all of those different uh, areas. And, and, as motorsports fans, I think, you know, people people are certainly drawn to all three at the current time. And I, I think, to be honest with you, the motorsports community has a lot of new eyes on it. Not only just at the sh- local short tracks, not at just the NASCAR sanctioned tracks, at the dragways. And I think a lot of that comes down to what we've seen over the last three years. And, of course, if you think back to 2020... NASCAR was the first sport back out there live. Um, and it was, whether it be on a Wednesday night trying to make up part of the schedule, a Thursday, a Tuesday, yep. a Monday, a lot of eyes, and, and and it's garnered a whole lot, a heck of a lot of new attention, really in part to 2020, in my opinion. Yeah, it really has. Before we let you guys go, do you, do you like to look back at history? Do you like to look at the bootleggers that turned into racers? It's funny you say that. I actually got to attend the All-Star Race back in May down in North Wilkesboro. And, of yep. course, you know, that North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia area is really where NASCAR started based in, in the sense of, you know, running moonshine. 
And they had a really cool Q&A up on stage in North Wilkesboro. And it was uh, the Moonshiners and um, Revelers. And, you know, it was the cops telling stories yeah. about chasing some of these guys and these guys telling stories about outrunning the cops. And I just, as a history buff of the sport, I was just blown away. I thought that was really, really a, cool, a cool Q&A. And, you know, it's something that those folks in North Wilkesboro, North Carolina, could relate to. Just like up here when NASCAR was in New Hampshire a couple of weeks back, they had a lot of the local uh, local short track guys who, you know, grinded out and, you know, gritted their teeth on the local short tracks up there for a Q&A. You know, the Dave Dion, the, uh, the uh, Andy Santer, Brad Layton, the uh, Dragons, uh, it, it you know it, it was really cool to see that aspect of things because of course you know the northeast really the northeast not only has put on a lot of broadcasters into the sport but they've put on a lot of local short track guys running nascar sanctioned events yeah what do you got coming up this week on the show so this week we have a little bit of a crossover of course where i started here on watd the jv team jared valenzola joins the show and we're going to talk with race car driver turned politician up in maine austin terrio and we are also going to have one of the locals from the Seekonk Bandoleros, uh, Bryson Robito, calling in just after our interview with Austin Terrio. And then the usual, we kick it around, recap this past weekend's racing and next week's uh, racing as well. So it should be a lot of fun Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, right here on 95.9 WATD. And, of course, you want to learn more about what I've got on the show, uh, Miles on Motorsports on Facebook. And uh, because you guys know... Uh radio i'm about 20 minutes overdue for a break so uh thank you guys for coming into the studio uh we'll get back to we'll get back to this uh the program and uh again thanks guys and uh tune in on wednesday night at seven listen to miles on motorsports thank you all right take care guys have a great rest of your sunday you too we need to take a break pay some bills my name is john paul this is the car doctor program give us a call at 781-837-4900 we'll be right back AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com join. It's a grill and chill summer here at WATD. Listen for the sound of the sizzle. When you hear the sizzle, be the correct caller and win prizes from places like Somewhere Else Tavern, Plymouth Patuxent Museums, and the South Shore Music Circus. We then turn up the heat. As each prize winner is qualified to win a Weber Genesis Grill from Hingham Lumber. Keep listening through the grand prize drawing during the South Shore's morning news this Friday. It's a grill and chill summer. Brought to you by Hingham Lover on your station with the sizzle. 95.9 WATD. This is my.
Hey guys, it's Lexi James. And we're Cryer Creek. Twilight Showcase Radio, hosted by Sandy Stride and Keith James. Tune into Twilight Showcase Radio Sundays on 95.9 WATD and 95.9 WATD.com. Search for Twilight Showcase on Facebook. And visit twilightshowcase.org. Twilight Showcase, tomorrow night from 7 to 9 on 95.9 WATD. USA in your Chevrolet, America is asking you to call. Drive your Chevrolet through the USA, America's the greatest land of all. On a highway or a road along a levee, performance is sweeter, nothing can Welcome back to the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. Thanks to Tim for pulling out some great music here so far. I'm sure he's got more in his... his, uh, little bag of surprises here. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, our phone number is 781-837-4900. If you would like to join us, phone lines are open, 781-837-4900. you have a question about your car or a problem with your car, uh, give us a call. We'll try to answer that for you. Uh, I'd like to talk about a car that got me around a couple weeks ago, and that was the Mazda CX-50. It's um, Mazda calls it a little bit more rugged version of their SUVs. It shares its platform with the CX-30 crossover. Uh, It has about the same engine and same six-speed automatic transmission as the CX-5. So think of the CX-5 kind of ish size and shape, but uh, a little bit more off-road that's uh, slightly more ground clearance, heavy-duty suspension. Uh, Buyers have a choice of a 2.5-liter four-cylinder engine. Uh, Makes 187 horsepower. And there's a turbocharged engine, too, for 227 horsepower. Um, Interestingly, like a lot of turbocharged engines, it gains 29 horsepower if you run premium fuel in it. And a lot of cars, you don't have to run premium fuel, but the, and generally maybe 5% horsepower difference. This is a full 10% difference horsepower running premium fuel. Uh, so they, they have it tuned pretty interestingly. The CX-50 comes in an abundance of trim levels, nine and all. Uh, our road test was a top-of-the-line turbo premium, had the attractive leather interior, panoramic sunroof, big infotainment, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, wireless phone charging and connectivity, um, just about every electronic safety feature possible. Um, you know, for an off-road car, it had, because it was a top-of-the-line model, had that kind of luxury car look and feel. Um, certainly competent on the road. The tur- turbocharged engine gives a sporty quality, like a lot of Mazda vehicles. It, it's kind of funny. I got a email from somebody who... Um, who has a Toyota Avalon, and he said, you know, you and uh, the guys that used to be on NPR, the car guys on that show, when he was talking about uh, Tom and Ray Magliazzi, used to highly recommend the Mazda 6. What do you think about the Mazda 6? And he said, you know, you've been quoted as saying it's the best-kept secret from Mazda. It was, because it was such a good-kept secret, they didn't sell enough of them, and they quit making them. Uh, But everything Mazda has has a little bit of that extra kind of sporty flavor. It's like they tried to take a little bit of the Miata and kind of blend it together with their vehicles. So CX-50, comfortable to drive, handles well, offers high-class interior, premium touches. And again, somehow Mazda managed to meld fun and uh, fun to drive and rugged off-road capability and tidy package 
you know, a little bit of zoom, zoom in there. 25 miles a gallon, 31 cubic feet of room with all the seats in use, 56 cubic feet of room uh, to carry all your gear and stuff, and 29 miles per gallon on the highway. Now, I'm guessing, Tim, that phone ringing I just heard means yes. we have a call. Yes, and I just I just want to add on, I'm, I'm so excited you're talking about Mazda CX-50, because I have... The smaller relative to that, I have a CX-5, and what you just said about blending the Miata into everything they make, I agree 100%, because I tell people, this doesn't handle like an SUV, this handles like a Mazda, and it's uh, it's great. I love it. But we have uh, Mike in uh, Bridgewater calling in. Michael, good morning. Morning, John. How are you? I'm pretty well. Yourself, sir? Uh, pretty good, drying out from the overnight rain and the uh, and the thunder that kept me awake all night. Yes, yeah, squish, squish, and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, if I may, two questions. They're totally unrelated, and it's more calling on your experience, John. Uh, floor jacks. You know the typical floor yep. jack you have yep. at home. You just jack up your car. When you are not using it for extended periods of time, like months. Does it matter, the valve? Should the valve be in the closed position like you're going to jack up, or should it be in the open position like you let the um, let the car down? That's a really good question. Or does it um, matter? Or really, does it matter? I was thinking that, too. So um, I don't think it really matters. I mean, I guess I would probably leave it just cracked open because that when you, when you go to grab it, it isn't already starting to pump up and kind of gets in the way. So I would probably leave it cracked open. It's... Um, uh, you know, it depends on depends on the jack. I had before I moved from Abington, I had a really nice little two ton. Well, actually, I had two of them. I had a little um, like a regular full size garage jack. It was a two ton one. Um, it was it was a nice little jack. I just couldn't see trying to bring it here or to Florida, and it just seemed like it would get in the way. And I missed that jack, and but I also had an old Hein Warner, kind of a compact jack, but it worked so much better than these little jacks you buy for, you know, fifty dollars at AutoZone or Walmart. And um, that one, though, I used to leave that one with the valve closed because I didn't use it very often. You know, I use it twice a year or something, and it always seemed like whenever I went to use it, it had always lost a little bit of oil. And I was like, then I noticed when I did leave the valve shut, it didn't seem to do it as much. Now, I don't know if it was just coincidence or what, um, uh, you know, and I gave that jack to my nephew, and he still uses it to this day. And I said, you ever have any problem with it leaking? And he goes, no, I use it all the time. It's, it's fine. So um, yeah, maybe, maybe the seals were getting a little bit dried up in it, and maybe keeping the valve closed helps preserve the seals. Okay, so that's what I'm going to do. I'll keep it close. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Second question, totally unrelated. Home home generator, you know, when the power goes out. Yep. Bought it, bought it brand new from one of your favorite places, Harbor Freight. Yeah. Obviously, haven't had to use it. You know how that goes, John. Fantastic. So anyway, yeah, she had two years. Here's the issue, though. I uh, had original gas, always stable in my gas. But yep. um, I'm going to say I've been adding gas, you know, starting it up every once in a while here and sometimes you get the carburetor that doesn't want to cooperate so whatever my question is this it's been two years it's probably got some of the <laughs> two-year-old gas with stable in it and everything else that's been added has every gas has had stable yeah. in it what do you suggest i do should i just add new gas because today's the day i'm supposed to start it up you know lug it out 
get a get a hernia and then uh, put it back in. So should you I know, get rid of the gas? Out yeah, and, or I yeah. I I would I would drain drain the tank the best you can. You know, drain it in drain it into a gas can and you know put it in your car. You know, put a little bit in your car every week until you because it probably doesn't hold much gas, right? Gallon maybe? No, it, it's not very yeah. much. And yeah. besides, I don't think the gas gauge works very well. But that's another yeah. story. So yeah. anyway, yeah, I, I would I would drain it out because as good as stable is, um, you know, two years later you're gonna get, there's gonna be some gum and varnish that's gonna build up in there. So I would okay. I would add you know I would I would add some fresh fuel and where you use it. How is you start it up every? Month? Probably. Supposed to be. I was pretty good initially, every three months or so. Now it's kind of stretched out to you know, like when you change your oil, it was every yeah, three, yeah. now five, now yeah. seven, you know, whatever. Yeah. So now it's probably be five months. It's sort, so. it's sort of like it's sort of like when you got when you got the new car and you vacuumed in between the the space between the seats, and then now you know now you're not vacuuming quite as quite you don't have yeah. quite the same amount of detail. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, no, and it's not washing yeah. it every week. Either. Yeah. that was another. Yeah, so that went by bye bye. Yeah, I mean, I if I was in your situation, and I hate to say this because it's it's part of me says it's stupid, but I would go buy that non-ethanol fuel you can buy at Home Depot or someplace, and it doesn't have any ethanol in it. Um, it comes in gallon containers. It's stupid expensive, um, but it doesn't tend to go bad, okay. and. And you know where you're not doing, you know where you're not doing much to it. You got a pretty good shot that it's always going to start up when you use that fuel. Um, I actually had experience with that with the chainsaw, but that's the mixed stuff. And yeah, uh, ended up yeah that I actually ended up having to replace the lines, and that's all I put in the chainsaw because I used that so sparingly I never want to see it again. But that's right. Yeah. What I use with that, but you're right; it's very expensive, John. <laughs> it, is, it is, it is, and um, I mean, even even with my um, the the 2015 Volkswagen that we leave in Florida, the and, and Florida is a little bit easier to get recreational fuel because it's such a boating community down there. So you can get non-alcohol fuel, and you know, say if regulars 350 a gallon, the non-alcohol fuels you know 475 a gallon. But I usually try to top off the Volkswagen with that. Even though it's only going to sit for six months, and chances are it would start up with whatever was in it, but I go ahead and do it. But yeah, I mean to buy a gallon of the the non-ethanol fuel couldn't hurt in that application. And I mean that's the thing with generators is, and I've been um, like probably most of the world, you know, I I get a coupon every once in a while from Harbor Freight that says twenty five percent off of everything, no restrictions. And I'm like, and I kind of look and I go, should I buy that little, you know, 2,000 watt generator and never take it out of the box, you know, and decide that on the day that I'm going to need it, I'll put oil in it and put fresh gas in it. And until then, it'll stay in the box forever and ever and ever. And, you know, hopefully I'll never need it. Um, But, uh, you know, and I keep looking at that going, should I? Because years ago, um, I had an old generator I got from uh, it was something somebody gave it to me it was an old I think it came off some navy boat or something it was it wasn't the most powerful generator in the world it was noisy as can be and it didn't run and you know I took carburetor part and cleaned it and you know and it was and you know you'd start it up and it was enough to cool the refrigerator down and stuff like that and I'm like I'm like and and 
I couldn't wait to give that thing away because it weighed like a billion pounds, and uh, and and it was like you know when I'm when I'm going to use it, the day I'm really going to use it, it's probably not going to work. So um, yeah, yeah. So so all you can do with yours is you know I would pull the plug every once in a while just to see how clean it is, um, and you can try. And this is kind of like a weird old trick you know before you put the spark plug back in kind of slowly crank the engine over till it's up on the compression stroke hold your thumb over the hole and when it comes up on the compression stroke that means both valves are closed put the spark plug in that way it's going to keep any moisture from entering into the into the um cylinder and then you know try to try to use decent gas in it and hope it starts when you go to need it yeah, John, if I go out and buy that expensive gas, I would have to drain the gas. I couldn't yeah, just add yeah. to it. Yeah, I would not. I would, I, would drain, I would drain it or siphon it or whatever, the, whatever you can to you know, try to run out whatever's in there. So if you can drain as much fuel out of it as possible and then start it up and, and let it run until it runs out of gas, then put the fresh fuel in it, I think you'll be in good shape. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. I'm looking right. forward to Remember the old, uh, we used to take it suck and then you get a, a gasoline uh, cocktail before yeah, the yeah, gas yeah, was in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. You, can, you can, you know, it, you can, by the way, you can go to like, I, I, Harbor Freight's probably one of those places. You can go to Harbor Freight by this little, you get two little siphons. There's one you kind of shake with your hand and it creates a siphon and sucks the gas out. The other one is there's one that you put a couple of D sized batteries in it. I think it's like 12 bucks. You stick it in a tank, stick the hose in a gas can, turn on a switch, it siphons all the gas out. That's great. Thank you, John. It, I appreciate it. Really enjoy it, your show. It, thank you. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. We need to take another Bye. break. My name is John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD. Our phone number is 781 837 4900. We'll be right back. Well, I pulled out of Pittsburgh, rolling down the eastern seaboard. I've got my diesel wound up, and she's running like I never before. There's a speed zone ahead, but all right, I don't see a cop inside. Six days on the road, and I'm gonna make it home tonight. Quality. It's a word that most people don't use when they talk about painters, but our customers do. Hi, I'm Sheldon Stewart from Stewart Painting, and we take great pride in providing quality work. To us, quality means that our professional team shows up on time and gets the job done to your complete satisfaction. We do our work on time, clean up, respect your property, and leave you to enjoy your beautiful, newly painted home. We are committed to our customers, the community, and to quality. At Stewart Painting, quality is not a word we use lightly. It has been one of our guiding principles for over 35 years. So please, call Stewart Painting today at either our Hingham or Hyannis offices to schedule your free estimate. Or, to receive a virtual quote, visit StuartPaint.com. Select a virtual quote now, send it to our sales team, and receive a price within 24 hours. And remember, Stuart Painting. Expect the best. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. 
Talk Radio with a South Shore point of view. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk, where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night after the 6 o'clock news here on 95.9 WAPD. We are the men of Texaco. We wear the Texaco star. We like to think of Texaco. We've got everything for your car. We've got wipers for your windshield belts and plugs and tires too. Welcome back to the Car Doctor program. And anyone of a certain age, I think, can visualize this commercial with the guys that came out, kind of ran around your car. They're all wearing hats and ties, um, you know, and, and clean the headlights and check the oil and check the wiper blades. And, you know, back in the old days of full service. And, uh, you know, I worked when I was uh, 16 or 17, I worked in a gas station. And that was... That was a requirement. It was a requirement. You went out and you, you know, besides putting gas in the car, you also clean the windshield. You, you know, you'd, you'd ask if they wanted to check the oil, you know, and while you were under the hood, you'd top off, you know, they had, I think, the cheapest windshield washer solvent there was. Like, <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> but still, you'd, you'd, you'd add to it and people appreciate it and they'd come back. And even though, you know, the gas might have been a couple pennies more expensive than, you know, some of the other stations, they appreciated the extra service. And although I will say I never wore a white shirt and a tie working at the gas station. Just isn't something I would do. Uh, somebody wrote in to me and they had a pretty interesting question uh, they had they had a brake issue on their car, and uh, they had it to the dealer a bunch of times. And what was interesting about it was um, when it was at the dealer, the dealer gave up on it, which I thought was sort of weird. They said they you know tried tried a bunch of different things, and it, and it had a uh, it had a problem where the brakes would pull to one side, uh, and they they claimed it was a they claimed it was pulling on the um, uh, kind of on the left side, I guess. And, uh, you know, what I thought was kind of interesting about this was um, there was a technical service bulletin about something very similar to this. Uh, their their car was a, um, uh, it's a 2017 Ford Flex. It's got 30,000 miles on it. They said when braking firmly, it developed a slight pull to the right. It doesn't affect the steering and seems to represent or doesn't seem to represent any imminent danger. They write like a, they write like a novelist. Uh, note, the car was never in an accident, only driven six months out of the year. We're snowbirds. We brought the car to the Ford dealer. They installed complete brakes, including rotors, did a wheel alignment, didn't correct the problem. They said they thought flexible rubber hoses to all the wheels was a problem. Uh, still no correction. The problem in the right rear is they checked and tightened everything. They waited for a Ford tech supervisor to get his opinion. They took it for test drives. The problem still exists. After having the car for 11 days, they called and said, pick up your car. We gave up. We threw our hands in the air and said we couldn't solve the problem. Coming from the Ford dealer who brought in technical support and they couldn't solve the problem? That's kind of an engineering nightmare, it sounds like. But, you know, and I think this is where a good visual inspection is so important. Um, I was just killing time the other day and I was watching a video of uh, a, a brake problem with a brake starter getting hot 
and uh, it had been in several garages. The last one did a full brake job, replaced the hydraulic hoses in the front. They used the wrong hydraulic hoses, and why they even let it go that way? They looked like they looked like guitar strings. They were so tight. Um, but that wasn't the problem. The problem was someone at some point replaced a brake line uh, to uh, to a to a um, distribution block, and they actually crimped the brake line. So I think what happened was when they were when you were stepping on the brake, pressure was holding in there and wasn't releasing the brakes, which caused an overheat. In this case, uh, Ford actually came out with a technical service bulletin, and there is a. Um, there is a bushing in the back that um, can wear out. It's uh, it's sort of a tie rod-ish kind of thing. Prematurely wears out. I think visual inspection is called a rear toe link. And um, maybe they just missed it. Or maybe they didn't read the bulletin or whatever the case is. Because maybe they were looking at strictly bulletins that affected brakes and not suspension. And where it doesn't cause a dramatic pull but a slight pull... Um, that's where I'd look. So, again, you have to use this visual inspection to come to the bottom of all this. Well, uh, we're just about out of time. I want to thank Tim for joining us today and filling in. Tim, you're going to be here next week, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'll yeah. be here. All right, good. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking to the folks from Empire Car Covers. So, you know, season means maybe it's time to think about covering up your toy for the winter weather. And I want to thank... Uh, uh, Miles and uh, Paul for joining us from Miles on Motorsports. Tune in this Wednesday night to listen to them. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or pull over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Emergency traffic and severe weather. 95.9 WATD FM Marshfield and 95.9 WATD FM Marshfield.